This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Tom. And this is Tracy Henley. This is your 2020 Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Champion, Michael Adja. This is Tyler Roark. This is David Melke. This is Travis Stemler. Bobby Santos. Tom Beery. Bill Muskrat, Travis Braden. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Uh, wow, what a weekend of racing that just wrapped up, and, and now we're really looking at the next couple of weeks going, what are we going to do with ourselves? There's still a lot going on, though. Let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Chase Elliott became the third youngest driver to ever win a NASCAR Cup Series title Sunday night from Phoenix Raceway. He bested Michigan's Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Denny Hamlin for the honors. On the heels of the championship and Jimmy Johnson's final full-time Cup Series season, Hendrick Motorsports announced after the race that Elliott and Johnson will be teaming up for the 2021 Rolex 24 at Daytona. More details have been released regarding the 2021 Chili Bowl Nationals. Grandstand seating is limited to 25% capacity, and all persons entering the River Spirit Expo Center will need to be properly masked up and have a temperature screening. Chili Bowl Nationals are scheduled for January 11th through the 16th. And The Rock is back on the schedule. No, not Flat Rock. Rockingham Speedway will host the Cars Tour Late Model Stock Car 2021 season opener on March 6th. And those are some things that are happening in a Motor City Minute. Uh, once again, good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me. I had, to, I had to clarify, Rich. I didn't want you to get your hopes up when I said The Rock. But still cool about Rockingham, huh? You had me all excited for a minute there, Zach. I was like, oh, right. The Rock made the Motor City Minute. There we go. Oh, man. I do want to start off with some other interesting and exciting news tonight, Rich, for fans of Winchester Speedway and Champion Racing Association. In 2021, the Sanction and the Track will team up for four events next year. In an announcement made this morning, Speed 51 reports that the ARCA CRA Super Series will highlight the first of the four events with a midweek show, the Flyover States 150, on May 18th. Then on July 10th, the Speedway predicts one of the largest street stock events in the country, sanctioned by the Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks. The Jeg CRA All-Stars Tour will also be in action. Then on Labor Day weekend, the ARCA CRA Super Series and CRA Street Stocks return for two days, this time accompanied by the Vores Welding CRA Late Model Sportsman. And the fourth and final weekend is, of course, the 50th running of the Winchester 400, October 15th through the 17th. And as usual, four of the five CRA divisions will wrap up their championship battle that weekend. Limited details are currently available about the the, uh, specifics of uh, the weekend's what more information is expected to be announced in the coming weeks, Rich? And uh, really, a lot of excitement down in Indiana right now. Yeah, Zach, and I also saw today, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Car the Cars Tour uh, posted their schedule already. And first week of May, 
Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, Cars Tour, Southern Super Series, CRA, back there. We just got back there from there a little over a week ago from the All-American 400. They're going back the beginning of May for a big event there. That ought to be real fun. That'll be uh, great. Those three sanctions did a really nice job with the All-American 400 and uh, should be really interesting to see what happens down there in Nashville. But, Zach, if we uh, stick on the pavement for just a minute, uh, David Gilliland, that's right, I said David Gilliland, uh, might not have sought to steal the show Saturday in the Arkham Menard Series West season finale at uh, Phoenix Raceway. The Arizona Lottery 100 was supposed to be all about Jesse Love versus Blaine Perkins for the championship. Yet it was the 44-year-old's pass of Ty Gibbs at the white flag that put an exclamation point on a race that saw engine failure, failure uh, for Perkins prematurely to end is his hunt for the 2020 title. Love, who finished a lap down in 14th, while Perkins finished 25th, is the youngest West Series champion at 15 years, 9 months, and 24 days old, Zach. And uh, Gilland's son, Todd, uh, previously held the record after winning the West title in 2016, at 16 years and five months old. Uh, Love's championship marks the fifth in the last six uh, West Series seasons for Bill McAnally Racing. Gilland, who co-owns DGR Crosley Racing, was making his only West start of the season. He took the uh, General Tire Pole Award, Zach, prior to Saturday's race and battled back from a black flag for jumping a late restart. Uh, the victory marked his first ever under the Arkham Menards banner. You know, we're talking a lot of pavement tonight, and that's okay because even more people are already looking forward to and planning for the 2021 season in the Great Lakes area, including the Midwest Modifieds Tour. Over the weekend, the tour announced four dates already locked in for the following season, starting with a long haul to West By God, Virginia, and Ona Speedway on May 1st. Other dates include May 15th at Kalamazoo Speedway, June 19th at Anderson Speedway. That should be a good show. And then June 25th at Dixie Speedway. Uh, of course, due to COVID-19, the one and only event sanctioned by the Midwest Modifieds Tour was the Run for the Gun 50 from Winchester Speedway, an event, Rich, that I think went off pretty well. Yeah, Zach, now we can switch to the dirt side, right, and talk a, li talk a little bit about dirt. <clears throat> you know, racing a dirt late model at the dirt track at Charlotte in 35 previous events. Uh, Tim McCready had fallen short in all 35 attempts, which I don't know how that happens. On, on Thursday night, he finally changed that uh, with the last call triumph that was 17 years in the making. Uh, driving by Ricky Weiss with a picture-perfect slide job on lap 31, T-Max survived a late bid from Brandon Overton to win his first career late model feature at the Concord, North Carolina, 4 tenths mile. The 46-year-old has won on four occasions at Charlotte, in the Super Dirt Car Series Big Block Modifieds, but Thursday's Triumph marked his first at America's Home for Racing behind the wheel of a late model. In the end, Weiss, Overton, Chris Madden, and Dale McDowell would round out the top five. But Zach, a big shout out to a friend of the program. Uh, St. John, Michigan's Chad Finley made the trip south to Charlotte and brought home a very nice 10th place finish uh, in a very stacked field. And on the phone lines right now, we have Chad Finley. Chad, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. How are we doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Good, man. So, uh, hey, I want to get right to it. Uh, you ran in a race on Thursday night down in uh, down in Charlotte, and boy, was that field stacked. Uh, you got to feel pretty proud uh, how you and your team performed. Oh, yeah, for sure. We were all 
super excited. We changed a lot of things on our program here after the regular season here at home. And, uh, I mean, the first night I kind of put us in a bad spot, and it's a little different racing down there. Everything's hammered down, really aero-dependent. I got in a bad spot behind a car and got up in the fence getting to three. But we got it fixed for Thursday night, and I ended up 10th. So that was really good for us. And uh, I think we had a little bit better car than that, but it was just really hard to pass there. Now, t- talk about – we've talked throughout the summer, and you said, you know, we're – when racing was over, you were going to try to get out a little bit. Uh, and you said the reason was so you can get better. Kind of explain that because, you know, most people think, well, don't you run against some pretty darn good fields in Michigan? Uh, but I don't think anything compares to what you ran into on Thursday. Yeah, it's no disrespect to anybody here. It's just, you know, every weekend is the same song, same dance, same two or three racetracks. And I think you just kind of stall out you know, because you're making the same two or three changes every week and in between your heat race and your feature. So you're really not learning anything. I mean, I feel like you just kind of stall out and get stagnant a little bit. And uh, I just want to go out, get on different tires, get on different racetracks, and just, you know, just see where we were, see where we need to be better at. And I think we're able to do that. And we're working on some things for next year already that I'm super excited about. So, uh, we're looking forward to next year already. Yeah, you know you're getting stagnant when you are deciding your setup for Merritt Speedway based on a podcast video that you see that morning, holding a spring, right. and then you hear Zach Heiser say, Chad Finley, don't touch that race car, and you got to put it back. Um, when, when we talked earlier, you know, I guess it was last year when, when it was announced that you were going to sell your ARCA and truck stuff, you said, I'm going to pursue my late my dirt late model career to the fullest that I can. Um, and so that's going to include running against this competition that Rich is, is speaking about. Um, how confident are you now in your setup and in your program after a couple of shows on the road um, that you and your team can, can take to the road if you ever wanted to and really be competitive at big events? Well, I don't think we're where we need to be by any means. You know, uh, like I said, we ran 10th the other night, and our speed-wise, we were about 6th, 7th there. It was just so hard to pass, but I think we're learning every time we race this year, especially towards the end of the year. We really learned a lot just getting out there and putting yourself up against all these other all these other guys from you know all over the country who who I've never raced against. So uh, it's always a process. It's just like asphalt racing; everything takes time. I feel like we're getting there slowly but surely, and uh, can't wait to get started next year already. You know, I, I got to say that there are probably some people that, uh, for me, I go back to, I think it was Brownstown was one of your first shows on the road with the what I call the white car. The You know, you change the body, change the wrap, everything, and hit the road. And I think you would agree, Chad, you didn't have the performance down there that you really wanted that weekend. Um, didn't do terrible, uh, given, given how many cars were there, but I don't think you had the performance you really would have liked. Um, what, what was missing that weekend? Did you learn anything from that weekend that can help you maybe back up here or in the future? Yeah, I just ended up getting some help. We went down to, uh, Illinois here a couple of weeks ago and met a couple of people down there and he actually helped me at Charlotte. So, um, it's just, you know, like that's the good thing when you get out, you know, you're seeing all these new people talking to people all the time and, you know, some people want to help you cause they know somebody that you know, or, and that's kind of how it worked out for us. As far as Brownstown, we just, I don't know, we were just okay. Um, we ran the B-Main there, and we only got like five minutes to make changes on the car. and We didn't really get tune on it how we should have been able to. And, uh, I mean, that was a tough feel. All them Lucas guys are so good. You know, they do it every weekend, three, four times a week. And we're, and talking, about the better, Jackson, so. and we're talking about Jackson 100 weekend, too, if I remember correct, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it was Jackson Hunter. There was 67 cars there. So just to make the race was cool. Um, I don't know. I passed a couple guys during the race, and and uh, I ran side by side with a lot of guys during the race. We just uh, our stagger closed up a little bit there. It hurt us a lot. I was really, really tight. And you know, just things we learned. You know, well, I've never had 30 gallons of gas on the car before. I've never been a 1350 <laughs> before. It's just I've never been to Brownstown before. So yeah. it was just a lot to learn. You know, there was a lot of guys there like. Devin Gilpin, he wins there all the time. He didn't make the race. So um, I don't think we were that bad. Just some guys are that good. Now, you teased a little bit. You said, uh, you know, kind of get things ready and, and making big plans for 2021. Um, can you share some of that with us of what you got in the works? Yeah, so we actually sold the Merit car. Um, we sold that last week, and I had it at Charlotte as a backup. Charlotte was a brand-new car to us that we bought from rocket probably about a month ago or so it's been sitting in the shop we've been putting it together and we went down to charlotte last week went over to durham racing engine picked up our new motor put that in that car and then we went over and set it up in my old truck shop and then we got that one ready to go for charlotte so as far as anything else i'm not going to say too much uh i'll find out at a a later date i thought you were going somewhere with that you tease (laughs) no we're working on some pretty cool stuff i'm really excited about it just started coming together here the last seven to ten days so cool well looking to be even better next year that's all i'm gonna say about it you know what my phone number is and when it's time to drop that information you better call us (laughs) <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I hear you. You know, Chad, this has been cool for me to to kind of see what you've been doing because we we look back and I believe uh, that it was 2018 when you kind of started playing around with the late model uh, with the with the former ethanol tour. Um, d- did you ever think that you would come this far in two short years and, and be ready to go with year three? It sounds like uh, harder and faster than ever with uh, potentially some really big shows on the line. I don't know. Um, you know, like I was born in the asphalt world, so that's something I was born into. Then you come over dirt racing, and I'm not born into. I don't know nothing about it. So it's been a bigger process for sure. You know, it's, it's totally learning everything. Still learning, obviously. And uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's so tough like, compared to asphalt racing. So people ask that question all the time, and I'm like, you know, it's way tougher. It's a lot harder to learn. It's way more to learn. So. I think we're still learning, and and we'll see how it shakes out here. You know, five ten years from now. Are, do you miss the asphalt stuff, or are you so committed to the and how much effort it takes on the dirt side now that you don't have time to miss it? No, I don't have time. Honestly, like my dad asks me stuff all the time about who's in the chase for the NASCAR, and I I have no idea. Like I don't I don't know what to tell him. And then he'll ask me who won the late mile race, and, you know, and I like uh, I don't know, Dad. I'm, I was too busy working on dirt cars, so I don't really miss it that much. Um, I was down at the Charlotte for the last seven to ten days, and and I really didn't miss it at all, to be honest with you. By the way, Chase Elliott won the Cup Series championship yesterday, in case you missed that. Um, <laughs> that way, if your dad asks. did watch you, that. You, uh, <laughs> um, Courtney's friend is really good friends with Chase's cousin. Okay. So he's his pilot, so we were following around. They were actually at the dirt track uh, Wednesday night. Uh, few of her friends were so it is really good to have all of our friends there people i haven't seen in a while people i used to race nascar with so that was really cool to be down there too that's probably the reason why we went down there and then obviously we had a really good race so it was really nice to be down there and uh, hopefully we can go back next year 
Well, uh, obviously you teased us about 2021, and, and this was uh, the finale, as they kind of called it, as they dubbed it. Um, anything left for you here in 2020, or is it time to uh, get back home and, and uh, get ready for whatever it is you're doing next year? No, we're back home now. Um, it's time to go deer hunting for me. There um, you go. Take a couple of weeks off from, from all the race and stuff, and uh, they're supposed to come pick that other car up sometimes, sometime before Thanksgiving, so... I gotta get that ready to go. But other than that, we're gonna take a couple time or a couple weeks off, and then we'll get ready for next year. Well, Chad, we're looking forward to hearing what you got going on. Uh, sounds like we'll have you on the program again soon, uh, as we uh, look, look and listen and, and wait to hear what you got going on. It'll be fun to see uh, what what is happening. So thanks for making some time for us. And hey, nice job on that run down there in Charlotte. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, you guys have a good night. All right, now time to move on to our second interview on the night. Rich, go ahead and introduce us to who we're talking to. Well, Zach, this is my first chance to get to talk to him here on Horsepower Happenings. Uh, he's a former Michigan traditional sprint champion and a sprints on dirt champion. Uh, he drives the number zero for Flying Zero Racing. Uh, Steve Irwin, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, first of all, uh, crazy, crazy season. You kind of have to you kind of probably had to modify your schedule a little bit. Kind of let's look back on it. Uh, how, how did your season go and um, did you get enough racing in? <laughs> well, realistically I didn't, um, which kind of fits into what everybody else had to deal with. But uh, the last, uh, I ended up getting 15 races in. Um, but the last couple years I've only raced about 15 times a year anyway. Um, but it kind of worked out. Um, I, I went to the races a lot even though I didn't race my own car. Um, I did some, a lot of crew chief and for other teams and did some other stuff, but you know, we did, uh, we were able to get 15 races in and with COVID and that and everything, we were able to run the whole boss tour for points. So that's kind of what our season kind of evolved around. Let's, let's talk about the crew chiefing thing, because I think the first time that I really, and for me, and this is going to be, I'm a minority in this group, but Steve, the first time I realized that you were a crew chief was, was with Darren Nida. Talk to me first off what your relationship is with, with the, that young driver. Well, he's my nephew, but, um, um, you know, I've raced, uh, with his grandpa, you know, um, and obviously I've, and and his dad Dane, um, they started racing at Jackson Speedway just to have fun when Darren was about ten or eleven. And then he kind of got uh, Dane works full time and his mom works full time. And he started. He won a race or two at Jackson at the local level. Then he started dominating there, and and they and they wanted to branch out and and go to Indiana and go to Missouri and go to Illinois, and they needed uh, an extra help. Um, and they had another guy that was helping them and that guy didn't work out and, and Dane, um, working full time. When I broke my shoulder last year, I kind of finished off the season with them and helped them. And I had a, I had a, uh, a lot of fun and, and they were kind of struggling with certain types of tracks and Darren was winning regular at the local Michigan level, but they were kind of struggling at the like a regional level where it gets a lot tougher down in Missouri and Illinois and Indiana. And, and then when COVID come around, I, I committed to redo the cars last winter and do all the indoor stuff in the winter time and then go back to my race. And well, when I wasn't sure if I was going to race, I ended up crew chief in probably the first 
half of his season before I got my uh, my racing really going. What's it been like for you as a guy that I know is primarily a driver? Um, how's it been for you to, to be a crew chief for your nephew? I mean, I've done it um, in the past. I, I've crew chiefed um, for guys on the 410 wing level at Fremont Attica and some all-star stuff. Um, and then I worked in NASCAR from the time I was 19 until about the time I was 30. Uh, there was uh, Roush had a truck team up here, and then I worked with uh, the Keselowskis with Brad and his brother Brian for numerous, numerous years. And the reason that worked out is that they would always work with me. If I was racing, they would give me shop jobs and whatnot, or I'd go to the track. So I, I've been around the crew chief or, you know, I got to the level of car chief in the Xfinity series at one time. So it, it's something that I'm used to doing. Um, to my, my nephew Darren's uh, dismay, I'm probably harder on him than what a normal uncle would be because I'm, you know, it's all business and, you know, and they're, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to do, to, to help him make it to the next level. So um, with that being said, you know, he is my nephew, but you know, I don't treat him any different than any other driver I've ever worked with. Steve, I, I uh, you know, it's pretty known anybody who listens to our program i'm the pavement guy on the side zach's zach's our resident dirt man but i i, I read an interview you did uh, many years ago uh and it was after you had gone to phoenix for a silver crown race and you said that uh, your first time on pavement it scared the heck out of you why was that well the phoenix thing scared me um i got a chance to run some stock car stuff on the pavement in 2000 and I ran some stock car races and kind of got my feet wet. And then I got a ride in the red 55 Jim Brown uh, car, um, in auto value super sprints when that was a big deal. And I got to run that a couple times and then I got my silver crown deal. But when you run a pavement silver crown car in the heyday of that, I mean, they'd start 30 some cars and these 50 cars show up and, and silver crown racing back then, was a direct path to get a truck ride or Xfinity ride. And that it was super intense and you're going 160, 170 mile an hour at Phoenix down the straightaway. And it, it was just super fast. You know, I was running 410 wing cars at Hartford on Fridays and that was way faster down the straightaways than what a wing dirt car was. What, what was it about that? And I know I've talked to you about, about this before, Steve, but, um, you know, I believe you're a heck of a wheel man. Where did that kind of, that, that venture for you change course? I don't want to say it came to an end, but I want, where, where did your career change course from that moment? I mean, the thing with me in my whole life is I grew up in high school. My dad, my dad still races, but I always, I was kind of like, quasi crew chief of my dad's stuff running local sprint cars. So I started working on stuff and I've always worked on my own stuff. And a lot of my success in my own racing has been due to, I build my own cars. I do my own motor stuff. I set up all my own stuff. So people kind of see that. And then with the NASCAR connection and all that, I've always kind of floated back and forth between crew chief and are working on teams and doing my own stuff because, you know, I'm just a racer, you know, it, it's, 
and I've used that extra money or stuff that I've done to, um, kind of pay for my own racing. So there was a lot of times in, in my twenties where if I, you know, when I was trying to race for a living, if I got fired from a ride, I'd go work on an ARCA team or a truck team for a while. And then somebody'd call me and want me to drive and then I'd go back drive it. So it's always been, you know, this or that back and forth throughout my whole career. Now, Steve, you've been quoted in the past as saying that uh, you jumping in a winged sprint car actually helped you uh, get better in a non-wing sprint car. I'm kind of green. You're going to have to teach me about this because I've seen them both race and they don't look anything like each other. No, they're, they're completely different. What, what helps me and, and some guys would disagree with me and I got non-wing buddies that, that run wing and run both. And, and, and their philosophy is if you stick at one, you get better at one. My thing is, is that the wing cars are so much faster and everything happens so much quicker, but the driving style is so much different. What it helps me do, and, and this, is, this is probably because of my lack of laps. I've, I've been a driver for 25 years, but I've never really raced full time. You know, to be a good dirt sprint car racer or midget racer on the dirt, you need to race 50, 60 times a year. The most I've ever raced in one year is 30 times. So when I get in a wing car, it's a lot faster. So it kind of slows down the whole speed of the car. And as long as you know how to run a non-wing car correctly, you can use that, that, that little bit less speed and be a little bit further ahead of the other non-wing guys that run non-wing um, full-time. I think one of the most impressive things I can remember seeing you do was Hartford Speedway 2019. I know it was a Lane Automotive MTS show, but I cannot <laughs> remember who sanctioned the uh, winged portion of that show, Steve, but you came up one spot shy on a sweep of the night. And the, the the impressive thing about that, and you made sure I knew this, Steve, was you were one of, I think, the only guys who were using the same car to run non-wing and wing that night, and it was you and, like, maybe one other person changing this whole setup over. How big of an undertaking was that? It was a big undertaking. I, I mean, I have a lot of good people behind me. I got a lot of volunteer help, uh, especially my buddy Nathan. He, uh, he helps me every year since 2012. He's a great help. And I would put a plan together, and then I got some part-time people. Uh, Roger Holsinger comes and helps me a lot. But my buddy Dave that lives up in Petoskey and his son, when we did those uh, deals, we had a pretty good plan of I, – I had an extra four or five people that just had a simple job, and we were kind of on a pattern of doing that because we probably have done that with the same car three or four times. And I think we've run one, two um, – three times out of four. I think we had one bad run where we ran like first and fourth, but we, I think we've run first and second three times trying to do that. So for the novice, a lot of that is a lot lot of planning on my part, but a lot of, you know, everybody worked really hard to help me accomplish that for the novice fan, Steve, why is that so hard? Maybe someone who's uh, just trying to learn more about sprint car racing. Why is it so hard and, and so surprising that you were able to do that with one chassis? Well, the, the, the problem is, is, is not the chassis itself. It's you build the cars completely different. There's different suspension pieces, whole different shock package, different length front axles, different shock packages. And the, the, what's impressive about kind of what I did is you can't, you do not have enough time to fully switch the car to non-wing or wing. 
So you have to do a compromise of both. So you don't get your full shock package for wing. You don't get your full shock package for non-wing. You don't, you don't, you, you can't run, you can't change front axles. You know what I mean? So you have to compromise and try to hit it in the middle. And then I, you know, I'm just going to have to make up the difference on the racetrack. Now you talked, uh, <clears throat> talked about running the entire boss series, finished fifth in the championship standings. Um, what do you think? You, you got to run the whole season. Pretty good year. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't have the budget to run the full year if COVID didn't happen. Cause it was about 22 races, but I think we ran 10 or 11 and just having, uh, an extra month before it started, maybe an extra, I don't know, five weeks, we were able to do it because they had some races in Michigan and they had a lot of races at Fremont because normally the boss series, they race down Ohio Valley a lot in Western PA. So a lot of the trips are five, six hours away. So a lot of the stuff was a lot closer than normal. So that enabled us to do it, but we had a great time. I, I ran the three quarters of the boss tour once. I think I ran seventh in points in 2012 and we won, we won a boss race, but you know, to run the full deal, we've never really had the, the travel budget to go do it. Um, that's just something we'd like to do in the future. If we can get sponsorship to, you know, to handle the travel and the tires and, and all that, well, I'd like to do a, an actual real full season and do the full 20, 25 races or whatever they normally run. Steve, I got a question for you. And this is probably a more of a hot button topic. Um, you know, sprints on dirt had some issues, uh, you know, it was sold and they, they didn't get to run this year and they're trying to rebuild it to get it back. Um, what do you think needs to be done? And do you think that can come back stronger than ever? Well, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a lot of guys that run Butler and that there, and some of them guys like to travel from Butler and some of them don't. Um, I think it's completely doable. There's enough 410 cars around to travel. And uh, with Butler being involved, I mean, you have a home track there at Butler. So you have a home base where you can, Butler's your home base and you can go away from there. So it's going to be a lot structured different than just traveling all over the state. Um, so it's going to have a, a, a different dynamic and it's definitely probably going to be Butler centric. Mm. But um there's definitely a lot of guys that want to run four tens that don't want to run three sixties with a wing on, and they don't necessarily want to run non wing. And, um, you know, if they can put a decent schedule together, I think they'll, they could have, you know, enough guys follow it. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to, uh, if they, I mean, when I was a kid and I'd go to, uh, on a six and watch all stars, what fans really, uh, gravitate to is when all stars were coming to town and thought was 410 in the, in the early nineties is they like the locals against the traveling guys. You know, I think they can create that dynamic again of having fast come in and having the thought guys against the fast guys. I think that's something that the fans, if I was in charge, that's something that I would try to promote and try to get the fans involved, uh, you know, because people like the hometown guys against, the traveling guys. You know, you mentioned you, it's funny that you use the phrase "if I was in charge" because at one time you were the uh, the lead guy for the Sprints on Dirt organization. Did it ever cross your mind to try and pick that back up again? Yeah, that's something. And I took the opportunity because 
our race team, and I did that in 2015, we did not have the money to race that year. And so I picked up the sod deal. And then when I saved my money, I raced on the off weekends where I wasn't working for sod. And my father-in-law wanted to take the series back over, but he needed somebody just to run the series for a year until he got himself on his feet to, to do what he wanted to do. So it was, it was something that I've always thought of, you know, um, I want to stay involved in racing. I'm a racer. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy crew chiefing. I definitely enjoy driving a tremendous amount, but I, I, I liked running the series. I mean, possibly down the road, I'd like to own a racetrack. You know, I, I like all the aspects of, of all that types of motorsports, especially short track racing and sprint car racing. You know, uh, you, you talk about that, and Rich France is just shaking his head right now. What What is it about about the ownership part of that? I know you said you like, you know, expand on that portion of it a little bit more because I know a lot of guys will go from the driver's seat to crew chiefing or car chiefing. Well, you're already doing both, so is it because you have nowhere else, uh, new another new avenue to go that you'd like to own a racetrack? Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm just a racer. I mean, to be totally honest, I just don't like working regular jobs very much. So, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, even though it's a pain in the butt, I mean, be, to to make extra money being a crew chief is not the most lucrative thing to do. Right. To run a track, it's it's a it's a pain in the butt. To run a series, it's a pain in the butt. But to me, I'd rather work double the hours and do something that I like to do than work a job that I can make a ton of money and and hate going to work every day. So that's just the way I look at it, and. um I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm a racer through and through, and I'm not. When I hang my helmet up, I'm going to be involved in racing in some shape or form. And you know, Steve, Zach was right. I was shaking my head, not because I don't think you would be successful at it, but we've had promoters on this program, uh, many other drivers, and, and the drivers are a whole lot more happier than the promoters are. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to make everybody happy, and and what you got to do is just, in my opinion. It's a very fine line, and I, like I said, I've only got one year experience at doing it, but I felt like I did a, a really good job or a decent job at it, is you don't need to be dic- you know, a, a super dictator about it, but you need to hold your ground and, and just tell somebody, hey, this is my vision. It's going to work for everybody. Just you know, stick it out. I think you get, I think you get in problems being a racetrack owner or, or a promoter in a series of, of being too much of a dictator and, and, and it's your way or the highway or trying to make everybody happy because then everybody thinks you're wishy-washy and which you are because you're trying to make everybody happy. I think, I think the, the key to it is, is having a fine line and sticking to your core values of what you're trying to do with that series, but also keeping an open mind if you do make a mistake or something that's not working is is move and do something else and you know that that might be how this 410 thing works and you know you know the 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 spec tire thing in sod i really liked it as a competitor but it didn't seem to catch on you know across the board with everybody because everybody's got to buy tires and whatever and we'll see with these guys running what they're going to do with the tire rules but i'm hearing they're going to go back to a standardized tire and maybe that that's was the problem maybe it wasn't i don't i don't know but you know that's just something that you know we'll see and that's just an example of what i'm saying as far as you know maybe an idea that you're 
super about maybe isn't the best idea for everybody as a whole. You know, Rich brought up sod and called it a hot button item. So I'm going to bring up a, a topic that I don't, I don't know if it's hot button, but I definitely respect your opinion. Um, it's no secret that you used to dominate the Lane Automotive Michigan Traditional Sprint Car Series. Um, and, you know, it's also no secret that it was your brother who owned it. And, and, and that whole thing aside, this year, Barry Marlowe, uh, kind of buys that, takes it over, calls it the Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Car Series, and we get a whole new crop of drivers uh, doing this thing. We have our baseline that have always been there, but we see some new talent here. I want to get your thoughts. How do you think 2020 went, given everything, with uh, Barry Marlowe at the helm for the first year? Well, I mean, I had a feeling that, I mean, and it doesn't, who run the series is kind of irrelevant in my mind. Okay. It's, it's, it's the raising the money. Mm-hmm. If, if my brother would have wanted to, or raise the money, if the more you raise the money, you're going to get the stars. You're going to get your Matt Westfalls and Max Adams and all that. I mean, um, and, and I don't know what Barry's influence is on raising the money or what my brother's problem was when not getting any more money. But every time there's been more money, you'll get more people. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really surprised. I mean, the biggest thing I took out of this season and, 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 you know, it, it hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's kind of why I, I wanted didn't to win ask. A race. I, I didn't, I didn't win a race this year. You know, I didn't, I didn't run a lot of Michigan races, but I think, with it hurting me personally and my team, I think it with with the more competition and the better drivers, it showed the Michigan fans like what real non wing racing can be exactly. in the state. Exactly. And it could be really entertaining. And I'm glad that you said that. And again, not to knock anything that your brother had done. Uh, you know, that was it was a it was a it was a perfect filler for what Michigan needed at the time. But go two and a half hours south of the state line in Michigan to Gas City, and you get a whole new breed of non-wing racing down there in Indiana. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit of money, and you could you could see that sort of racing up here on the right racetrack. Well, I mean, it was just crazy because, I mean, it's not that I, I dislike wing racing. I've done a, quite a bit of it, but non-wing racing is, is my true passion. And it's always super bugged me that the fans are like, ah, that's the B level, you know. <laughs> but if we go run Silver Bullet Speedway, not the Knox Silver Bullet Speedway or Crystal, because Crystal Speedway is one of my favorite tracks, it's just they're, they're dry slick. There's a lot of sand up here. There's almost so much you can do. And, and just when everything's single file, and I think on a six did a great job of giving us an awesome racetrack for three races. I agree. And we're hauling butt around that place and pulling wheelies and pulling sliders. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, what yeah. is this racing? Well, it's, it's everything that Indiana has been for years. <laughs> but, no, it's never, been, it's never been put together in that package up here for the fans. Yeah, I agree completely, Steve, and and, uh, I appreciate your opinions on that. I'm excited for 2021. I think that it's going to be great. I hope that that sanction can get, uh, you know, work with Boss some more and maybe get down into Indiana and Ohio some more. I think it'll be uh, great stuff. What does 2021 have in store for you? I know you build your own cars. You have a lot of influence on, uh, and when I say build your own cars, I mean, when I asked you, what's the chassis? You said, I don't know. I built it. (laughs) Uh, Right. uh, Yeah, I... uh... Um, I didn't, I'm not a great welder, but I did two years in mechanical engineering school, which I did not stick out. 
You know, I did not graduate, but I can, I can draft things and do whatever. And I designed my own car and I had a buddy um, that built chassis, drag race chassis and NASCAR chassis that is in here in Michigan. He still works for Roush Industries and he, he volunteered to weld it together. And then I had guys like Tony Beaver and the guy, uh, and um, the guy at Hawk chassis finish it. And it don't have a name. It's just whatever it is. But, um, you know, we got that car out this year and, and that car was different and it was, it was a little bit of a struggle to get it going, but we got it going at the end of the year. And, um, you know, as far as what I got going on, you know, um, I'm working, I, I've been working on my nephew stuff. They went racing without me here the last two months and they, they did a good job. I'm, I'm in the midst of, uh, tearing his stuff down and getting his stuff ready for the Tulsa shootout. I'm going out there with him. Um, we're going to take three cars to Tulsa shootout. That's my focus right now. And I'm trying to rebuild my stuff and I'm trying to get funding together because I'd like to go continue doing the boss thing and, and traveling our region and, and running the whole boss tour. Any of those three cars, something you're going to drive? Are they all for NIDAs or what, what are those three cars? Yeah, that are it's going? all for Darren. Okay. It's all for Darren. Perfect. Perfect. I've run a 600. I'd love to do the shootout, but, um, you know, they're, um, um, you know, I'm just, uh, they hired me to go through the cars and, and go through. I did the same thing last winter and I went through his cars and we're going to do some changes on some stuff. And, and Darren's got an opportunity to run a, a brand new non-wing only car at the shootout. Um, so he's got a lot going for himself and I'm proud of him because he, uh, you know, his parents, uh, created opportunity for him to be successful. And, and he took that opportunity and, and won a lot of races and it created another opportunity for him. So I hope the opportunity he's getting to go to the shootout again, um, with his, uh, new sponsors, um, it turns into something else down the road. And, you know, I'll, I'll I still want to race, but uh, you know, I'm willing to help him as much as I possibly can with it, with a lot of time that I still, that I have that I, when I'm not racing my stuff. Well, Steve, it's always a pleasure. You have so many great stories, and we didn't even get to get into all of them. Um, thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, um, I was really surprised that you even wanted me to have me on the show when I didn't even win a race this year, <laughs> but um, we tried hard. We had a lot of seconds. So, hey, sometimes. But I, I love being on the show, and and uh, you guys you guys do a great show. I listen to all your other episodes, and, you know, you do a great job announcing and, and all that. So I'm sure I'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, what a great program tonight, Rich. Two of uh, what I believe are the best in their craft with Steve Irwin and Chad Finley, two guys that just uh, want to be better all the time, and they're great drivers, great guys to talk to as well. Uh, really want to thank them for being on the show tonight. Yeah, that was the first time I had a chance to talk to Steve, uh, a great guy, and and we talked to Chad a lot. He is so driven yeah. and so focused with what he's what he's doing. I know how driven he was uh, in the pavement world, how how successful he was, and boy, he's transferring that over to the dirt dirt side of things. And uh, I don't see anything but success for him as hard as he is concentrating because he wants this so bad. I hate it when guys come on our program and they go, "Here's a little, here's a little teaser." Uh, check back in in a couple weeks but i'm excited you and i kind of talked off the air what we think that might be and um i don't know we'll have to wait for some sort of press release or a phone call or something and see what's going on yeah he sure teased us i thought he was going to give us something there for a minute but we know him better than that we probably shouldn't but no he uh he'll give us a call when he gets it all straightened out i'm sure it has to do with sponsorship issues and all that kind of stuff that they don't want to release quite yet so uh 
we'll get Chad back on here uh, before the holidays or something and figure out what the heck he's got going on. Hey, I tell you what, we got a really fun thing. We're getting ready to launch this week, something that you're involved in. We got Chris Phoebe involved, Chuck Darling, Scott Menlin's in on it as well. Um, we're going to give away some bragging rights, and that's literally all we're giving away is for folks to be able to brag that they are uh, considered the best outlaw super late model driver on pavement in the Great Lakes region, Rich. Uh, we're going to start that contest tomorrow, Tuesday. Watch our social media pages for that. We've got 12 drivers, and we got to whittle them all the way down to one, and the fans are going to be able to vote on who they think the best driver is. Rich, you're not eligible. Um, sorry, buddy, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> well, well, you know what I was just going to say as a joke, there's probably a lot of people out there right now that would like to vote for a winning side right now, so uh, <laughs> we'll just leave that one there. Yeah, uh, yeah, there there will be a hard deadline on votes ending. Let me just say that, okay? There will be a hard deadline on when the votes can end. <laughs> and, and I've seen the list, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to expose it yet, but uh, it, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tight. We have a talented, uh, talented group for for this for this vote, so it's it's going to be pretty cool. I hope we get a lot of people involved. Yeah, we should be able to watch the social medias. Facebook uh, is going to be the primary spot for that. Uh, interact. Let us know who you think the best driver is, and uh, again, watch for that on Tuesday. Rich, that's going to do it for tonight. Two great interviews, a lot of news, and uh, we're having a whole lot of fun as we look forward to Governor's Cup coming up this weekend and then Snowball Derby coming up in December. Uh, so much going on, Rich, and uh, by, the, by the time, before we know it, we're going to be looking at 2021 right in the right in the face. Yeah, just give everybody a heads up. Uh, Flat Rock Speedway uh, 2019 Rookie of the Year Hayden Sprague heading down to the Governor's Cup, so we we'll might have to catch up with Hayden and see how he's doing. He had a great speed weeks uh, back in February down at down at New Smyrna. So we might have to keep an eye on Hayden and catch up with him when he gets done. Sounds good, Rich. Hey, for Scott Menlin, who owns and operates Horsepower Happenings for Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. And don't forget to vote for your favorite outlaw super late model driver on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page. And take a little look around the new Horsepower Happenings website while you're here, would you? Let us know what you think about that as well. Have a great night. We'll talk next week. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.